Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. How many people want to invite Al over for a romantic dinner? I could fill in for him. I could do it. I could do it. Man, well, happy Valentine's Day, Super Bowl Sunday, and we're wrapping up our series. We sort of, we sort of planned it with this, and we've waded our way through some, some heavy stuff in this series since the beginning. We started by talking about the way we were meant to be, what our lives were formed for, and this pathway called confession God gives us to get back there. We talked about sexuality and marriage and friendship. And, and then last week we talked about murder. No easy follow-up, right? But we, we discovered this, this kind of river of grace that flows through our life that is Jesus that we run to. But it's a lot. And if you're needing a break you're not alone. In fact, I think that's the way the series ends, and maybe the ending is exactly what we need, an ending of, of rest and of, of celebration. We have this odd relationship with resting. We say we like it, but really... A couple of years ago, Tammy and I took what I think we would both agree was our best vacation ever. We did a road trip through the American Southwest, and we were seeing the Grand Canyon and Monument Valley and all, all those sites, and we were winding our way towards the end of it. We would, we would finish up the last real site. We, finished, we flew home from Vegas, but there's nothing real about Vegas. So we finished, the last real thing we saw was Zion. But right before you get to Zion, when you're making the loop that way, you come to Bryce Canyon. Whoa. I mean, if it wasn't so close to Zion, it would be the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. I mean, literally, you're at something like eight or 9,000 feet of elevation. So the air's a little bit thinner than you're used to. And you're at the top of this canyon and you're looking down at what looks like was created by Dr. Seuss. I mean, there's just these red uh, stone formations carved by wind and water over billions. It's just incredible. And we had plotted out a hike and we, we would, you, you hike down into it. You literally descending almost a thousand feet into the valley and you're just carving along these paths and past these formations and just taking pictures everywhere you go. Just incredible. But then you get to the bottom of the valley and you have to climb back up out of the valley. Not quite a thousand feet, but it felt like a 10,000 foot climb. We were hiking something called the, the Navajo Trail. And when you come back up through the Navajo Trail, it, it comes up through a steep section where they've created a series of switchbacks. 
In fact, because I knew you would just think I was being lame, I brought a picture. I'm going to show you. I'm going to put it right. I want to tell you that's just a little bit of it. That may be all of it, though, but that was a lot. And we were at the bottom of that, and you're, you're just sort of, you're working your way up, working your way up, breathing, breathing, thin air, trying to look strong, being tired. And, and, it's, and there's all these places where you can stop, and there's formations you can sit on, but there's this tension. You don't want to stop because your wife hasn't stopped. And the 75-year-old person right behind you is about to pass you. And so you keep going until your heart feels like it's going to pound out of your chest and you just give up. I mean, it's one thing if a teenager runs by you. They're supposed to. But oh, man, there's something about rest that we have this uneasy relationship with. We say, we say we, we want it. Everybody wants rest, but nobody wants to admit that they need it. It feels like it's some kind of indication of, of weakness. And that may be why, that, that kind of internal subconscious wrestling may be why we're so surprised when we see it in the creation story. I mean, if ever there was someone who didn't need to take a break, it would be the creator. But there it is. Let me read it to you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. I don't know, I just read that, and it doesn't look like Jesus is or God is sweating. He doesn't sound tired. There's nothing in the passage that goes, Oh, he was just burnt out needed a break, catching his breath, creative juices needing to be restored. That doesn't, nothing in the passage indicates that God needed a break. It switches over to chapter 2, but the chapter designations are later additions. It really just carries on, and here's what it says next. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. The work was finished, so he rested. And he doesn't just rest. He, he declares this day of rest 
as a holy day. And this becomes the, this becomes the Jewish tradition. One of the earliest examples we have of, of a day of rest. The Sabbath. Literally the seventh day. The last day of the week for rest. Christianity would take this same idea, kind of formed out of the history of Judaism, and it would, it would take and it would celebrate a day of rest and worship on the first day to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the first day of the week. And for thousands of years now, that's been our tradition. A day in the week set aside for rest. It's not the only time the Jewish people or we would rest. We have uh, celebrations of rest, vacations, set-asides, but there was this idea ingrained in their culture and in their faith and in ours of a day of rest. But ever since, it's been a battle. And I bet it's a battle for you. Just to rest. When the Romans would conquer Israel and much of the known world, they, and we know this from their writings, they would see this practice of the Jews and they mocked them for it. They're lazy, slothful, they said, needing a day off. It's always been a point of tension, whether it's from the outside or the inside. I was reading something this last week, and I had never seen it. I must have slept through this in history class. Did you know that King James, the King James of King James Bible fame, also published another book? And his other book was called The Book of... I'm not making this up. The Book of Sports. The Book of Sports. King James, Book of Sports. Now, the history of this is that there was, there was tension. The, the Puritans were rising in influence in the Church of England, and they were coming with their staunch, strict rules, and they were taking over Sunday and creating all kinds of rules about what could and couldn't be done. And mostly it was what couldn't be done. In fact, they created not one, but two worship services to make sure people were so busy they didn't have time to do anything that might be considered, you know, fun. True story. So King James publishes a book, and he declares that this book has to be read from every pulpit, and it declared that sports were legal on Sunday. Some of you are ready to cheer. The Puritans were out of their minds. Now, here was the rule, though. You could engage in sports in the afternoon. I love this rule. If you went to church in the morning. I love King James. Come on. Some of you were like, that was weak. That was a weak clap. You're like, uh. The Puritans were so angry. 
They fought it, fought back against it, and finally they couldn't figure out any way, except for one clause that said, this only applied in England. If you left for another country, it didn't apply. And between 1630 and 1640, 35,000 of them left because this was the last straw, and they went and helped create a new England. Now you know the rest of the story. Man, we've been wrestling with rest and what does it mean and what can we do and what can't we do ever since. In the 1930s, unions came on the scene and helped to create the modern day weekend. Take a break, slow down, catch your breath before a new week starts. Then came what you may be familiar with is blue laws. What you could and couldn't do. Some of us remember, and I'm just old enough that I can remember when not a lot was open on Sunday. Remember that? In fact, in I think it was 1961, the Supreme Court uh, heard a case on the legality of blue laws, and they declared that blue laws were permissible not because they were religious but because they were practical we needed a break and municipalities could decide to help engage in giving people a break with these so-called blue laws that persist in many places around our country and even in some little ways in our own but you know, like I know, those things are dying fast, and Sunday is, whew. I mean, any day for a day of rest is just hard to find. It's on the decline. Where does that come from? Well, some would say it's the decline of religion. Eh, maybe. Some would say it's the eagerness for money right? Oh, we can't be closed on Sunday unless we're Chick-fil-A and that darn Christian chicken. <laughs> you ever, do you ever pull up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and go, oh, I forgot. Right? Maybe. Some say it's technology. <laughs> I read a while back a stunning statistic that when Edison created the light bulb, the average person before the light bulb, the average person, life ruled by the rhythms of the sun and darkness, the average person got 11 hours of sleep a night. That was an audible gasp. Everybody's like, I want to go back to that. <laughs> now the average is seven. Woo! 2007, it got even worse, didn't it? Remember what happened in 2007? The iPhone. Some of you keep that. I, I have one, so I can call it demonic. I mean, it's like a leash. Keep it by our bed? Oh, it's my alarm. Ding, 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 ding. Man, 
social media, doom scrolling late at night. It's no wonder we struggle. But here's my, here's my personal observation. It's probably not any of those. Those are just symptoms that we latch on to. The real reason we struggle with rest and we love being busy, we think busy is better. That's why our favorite answer, when someone asks, how are you doing? Busy. It's such a good answer. I'm industrious. I have things to do. Occupied. Creative. Friend this morning said, how are you doing, Pastor? And I started to say busy, but I knew I was preaching this, so I <laughs> caught myself. I'm not busy. I'm not. I'm not. We love being busy. So what does God do? Well, it turns out he, he begins in the creation story by giving us an example in himself. And then he gives us a rule because sometimes we're a little bit slow. And it's not very far on until he gives us this rule. In fact, we pick it up in Exodus chapter 20. You're familiar with these rules. We call them the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and here's the fourth one. By the way, in case you are wondering, it's the longest of all the Ten Commandments. Here's what it says in verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. This is the fourth command. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Huh. God gives us a rule, a, a guide, and, and what he's doing is he's God's rules are always for our flourishing. It's, a, it's a, a simple summary. It's a simple idea you can latch onto it, but always behind that rule, and this is why we go back to Genesis, always behind that rule is something significant. You, you see, a day of rest does things in your life that you need even if you don't know you need them. Here's one thing it does. It creates a finish line. You may not know it, but you need, I need, we need a finish line. Without a finish line, we're just running, 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 running. My first pet, at least that I can remember, was a, a hamster. Maybe that's like a starter pet. Before you get a dog, they give you a hamster, a little bit more disposable, so to speak, and see how I'm... I didn't, yeah. The hamster's name was Trixie. Yeah, kind of cute. Yeah, I'm back in your good graces, right? 
<laughs> I went from hated villain to, oh, that's kind of cute. Hang on. <laughs> Here's my memory of Trixie. We, I have two. One, I had one of them. Remember those Fisher-Price gas stations with the little elevator? I put her in the elevator, and she got stuck, and we had to carve it open, but she survived. And I know she survived because my other memory of her is, is in, her, uh, in her little uh, hamster cage thing. She had one of those wheels. Remember the wheels? The wheels? And she loved the wheels. She would just get run, 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 run. No finish line. Run, 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 run. Literally, one day I'm watching her run, 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 run. Boom. Done. Serious. Should have put your kids in kids' town. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm just heart attack. Boom. Done. That was the last thing I remember of Trixie. <laughs> oh. You're tracking with me now, aren't you? Here's why I say that, because... If you don't create a finish line in your life, someone will let you run until you're dead. And that someone is probably you. We need a finish line. That's not the only thing. A, a, a day of rest helps me to count. Here's what I mean by that. It, it's a pause in the action where I can finally look back. Because while I'm running on the wheel, I can't look back. And I can't count up all that God has done, all that I've been able to accomplish, and where I've come from. And I get no opportunity to give God credit for what he's done and build my faith for what he can do. And a day of rest is just like that. And here's one other thing it does. If it helps you create a finish line, it helps you to get a fresh start. I'm of the firm belief that beginnings and endings go together. And you don't get a new beginning until you've had an ending. That's just a good principle for life. Sometimes we're just broken over the ending of something, but mark it down. The ending of one thing opens the door for the beginning of a new thing. And the ending of one week... Let's us come to the finish line, catch our breath, look back at God's faithfulness, and get ready for the next new thing. I don't know about you, there have been some weeks I just needed to come to an end. I'm just like, Lord, this week needs to end. I'm going to go out and have a burial. I can do my own burials. They're free. Like, Lord, this, this week is over because I need to move on to that next Thing. And there's something about the rhythm of rest, of a day, of stopping, that helps me to create a finish line, to count up what God is doing, and to get ready for a new start, a new week, a new day. But this actually, Exodus chapter 20, is not the next time we saw this day of rest. In fact, a few chapters before, 
God had introduced to them by example. He says, let me, let me try and teach you. So before he gets to giving them a rule, he says, listen, this is how I want you. You may remember this story. If you've read any of the Old Testament, if you haven't, I'll give you the whole story. But uh, the, uh, God had the nation of Israel in the wilderness, and he's guiding them, and they're hungry. And he says, I'm going to provide you with food. Literally, this is where we get manna. And he gives these instructions. Let me read them to you. It's in Exodus 16, verse 4. Here's his plan for rest. He said, let me give you a plan. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So they wouldn't have to work on the seventh day. Jump down to verse 22. It tells what happened. It says, On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. And he told them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath, a day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. This is my plan. I don't know about you. I find this really hard. God says, let me give you uh, a plan. Here's how to, here's some thoughts, here's some ways to work this out and to live this out in your community. So I want to do the same. I want to just give you just as we wrap all this together, a a, a plan. Some thoughts on how you can rest. But I want to start with a confession. I'm lousy at this. I know that's not what you wanted to hear, but I just, I'm a work in progress. I love being busy. I think I can get done more if I do more. And I need a plan. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to I preach to myself. And if you find it helpful, you can listen in, okay? So here's the first thing. Plan to stop. I brought something with me. <laughs> Remember that? I brought this back. This is a year ago. Plan to stop. Remember these? These are God's rules are for a Reason. God puts a stop sign up not to say, hey, 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 stop it. You're about to have fun. No, 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 no. God puts a stop sign up because, no, 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 no. You run through that intersection, you're liable to get hit. Maybe not today, but someday you will get hit. Stop, 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 stop. I just mean literally plan to stop, plan out the day. What day? What time of day? What are you going to stop? 
Now, you may be a work in progress. You, may, you know, maybe, maybe you plan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I'm going to put my to-do list away. I love to-do lists. I keep two just in case I forget something. <laughs> I do, it's true. I keep one that's written down and one that's on my phone just in case, you know, I always have it with you. Maybe you decide on this day, no email. Maybe you decide on this day, no social media. Ooh, ooh. Just plan to stop. You say, how legalistic should we be? Well, that probably depends. I don't intend to go back to the days of the Puritans, but here's what it depends on. It probably depends on how much you struggle with rest. And the more you struggle, the more you're going to have to draw some hard, fast lines. Plan to stop. Here's something else. Plan. This is going to be hard. Plan for silence. I'm just saying, carve out a little bit of time that's silent. No one, nothing. Now, if you haven't done this in a while, I'm going to tell you up front, it's terrifying and it's hard. Pull out the phone that you're not supposed to be looking at and put the timer on for five minutes. You can do this this afternoon. And try and sit in silence for five minutes. Hmm. Because something happens in silence. In silence... In silence, I begin to listen for the voice of God. I begin to look for his presence in my life. I can't hear it in busyness. I can't hear it in running. But when I stop and I take time carved out for silence, I begin to hear his voice in his presence, in his direction in my life. Here's a third. You'll like this one. Plan for joy. Man, listen, rest is not simply about doing nothing. Some of our uh, small groups here have uh, been engaged in a, a study over the last year or two, a book called uh, The Relentless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It is a great book. And he talks about this idea. In fact, the title from the book came from a, uh, a great Christian leader named Dallas Willard. And Dallas was asked about what is our great enemy. And one day he said this, the great enemy of the soul is hurry. I remember the first time I read that, I, it bothered me. Like, really? The, the great enemy of the soul is hurry? V? 
There's a lot of enemies of the soul out there, people. Really? Hurry? It's not immorality. It's not... It's not worry. It's not... It's hurry. He said the great enemy of the soul is hurry, and we must relentlessly eliminate it. In his book... uh, uh, Comer talks about this idea. I think he calls it pleasure stacking. Just when you have a day, create plan for things you love to do. Now, do not try and cheat and say, I love to work. That doesn't count. If you love to take hikes, take a hike. Do you love to read books, but you never have time to? Take that day and carve out two hours and say, those two hours are my hours to read. Do you love to play a sport? Go play a sport. Do you love to eat good food? Plan your favorite meals for that day. In fact, some of you love to do yard work. That's okay. Unless you're a landscaper. If you're a landscaper, it's, I'm calling it. I'm a Puritan about that. Lines off, right? In fact, if you love to do yard work, then I'd like to have a personal small group with you right after church. and <laughs> we, can, we can work together and create a friendship. <laughs> Plan for something joyful. This this is a day that was made to refresh your soul. Here's one last one. Plan for people. I decided to add this one in because I know me. Here's my guess. If you're busy, I mean really, really busy, you've been shortcutting your friends. And you haven't had time to invest in people the way you should be. So here's what I'm saying. Carve out some of that time. Maybe you put a couple of these together. You put your favorite restaurant with your favorite friends. Here's what happens. When we stop and we look back and we breathe deeply and we sit in silence we begin to hear the voice of God speaking into our life in our most weak and tired times. I I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. I've shared this verse over the last year with a good number of people. It says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. Man, they are dying. We're beat up. We're knocked down. We're anxious. We're worried. We're overwhelmed. Though our bodies are dying, our spirit is being renewed every day. You need times when you just stop. Where you sit 
carve out the schedule and you just say, this is a time to rest, to reflect, a time for joy, a time for people that refresh my soul. And when we do, when we sit in that place and we reflect on his faithfulness and we look back in our weakest moments, we find a refreshing we didn't know was possible. And it hasn't come because our circumstances are have improved or somebody showed up and said they'd fix everything. It's only because we've met with God and heard his voice in the deepest place of our soul say, I'm with you, I'm with you, and I will never leave you. And our soul is refreshed. And that's why he says, do what I did. Rest. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed and <clears throat> we close our eyes just for a maybe a moment of silence, right? What would it look like to find a bit of rest? Did you find yourself listening to this, longing for it like a long lost friend? Remembering days of rest, laughter with friends over a good meal, a hike in the silence of the wood and the presence of God. This is what he's saying. You need it. You need a bit of it every day. You need a day of it every week. And you're going to need moments where you just pull back from everything for an extended period and rest. Father, my prayer, here together as a church, for every one of us, is that we would find rest in you but we wouldn't just find it. We would plan for it. We would schedule it. We would stop. We would sit in silence. We would plan for joy. We would gather with people that refresh our soul. And Father, I pray that each week, this gathering, our church together, would be just that. A place of joyful celebration, a place of refreshment, a place where we gather with people, a place where we hear the voice of God in the quiet of our spirit, and we walk away refreshed. We pray this together. In Jesus' name, amen.